Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Can we Texas. Pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, you are on your throne. I've thought all week of that song, I believe Klaus wrote it. It says, why do the nations rage when the king is on his throne? You're on your throne. Father, our nation is raging. And we need you. We need your peace. Your word says that if we would repent, humble ourselves and pray that you would heal our land. Amen. God, there are people hurting on every side of this thing. Nobody is 100% right on any side of this thing. And we need you. God, you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. No one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. Jesus, would you shine your light into this situation? Would you release your life into this situation? Would you release your favor into this situation? Father, reveal anything and everything that you want to reveal. Uncover the wicked and uncover the hidden things. Father, show us your people what we need to see. Give us your perspective. Give us your understanding. Father, we ask you to be with our governmental leaders on each and every side. Father, your word says that you turn the hearts of kings the same way you steer the waterways on the earth. You are in control. God, release your favor to us and release your power to us. Father, let us as the people of God be those that will pray and not complain. Be those that will prophesy and not bicker in the name of Jesus. Father, let us arise in a time and in a season where there's so much frustration, so much irritation, so much division, so much hatred. Father, let your love arise and flow through your people in powerful ways, Father. We thank you that you will give us the right words, the words that will sustain the weary, that you will open up our hearts to love to seek to understand people that are on the other side of this thing from us, Father. Let us not fall into pride and arrogance because we feel like we're so right. Father, let us walk in righteousness and peace. And Father, let us walk in wisdom and cunning in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you will give us a shrewd spirit. Your word says that the righteous are supposed to be gentle as a dove and shrewd as a serpent. Father, let us not be deceived, but let us see and hear and know your truth and be able to navigate, Father, through this scenario and this situation. And we thank you, God, that we know and we believe you are not done with our nation. You're not through with our nation. You have plans for our nation, Father. Protect us. Protect the rights that we have in this nation. Father, stand up for us. And God, your word says that you have given each and every one of us angels that have charge to protect us in our lives. Father, right now we empower the angels that are assigned to us to fight on our behalf, to go and wage war in the heavenly realms. Our enemy is not a human. Our enemy is a spirit. Father, release our spirit warriors to fight on our behalf, to take our prayers and to ascend into heaven and to bring back the answers that we seek and pray for. And they will not be detained and they will not be defeated. We win 
win. We win, Father, because we have your victorious spirit and nature upon us. And we will not back down and we will not shrink back. We will stand up and be the bold voices for righteousness in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to move on. There's too much important stuff to talk about for me to deal uh, and dabble into the things that you've already talked about on Facebook all week long. Um, Our theme is called Max Out. I'm going to recap it for just a second. Uh, Last week, uh, we we opened this up. We're going to walk for the next three weeks through the story of Jacob. Jacob is one of the fathers of our faith. Jacob was the father uh, of the nation of Israel. We have in Scripture a pattern, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that is a generational, three-generational platform that God built faith on. Scripture says that Abraham is the father of our faith. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We are not entering into into heaven because we're so good, because our works are so good. We're not entering into heaven because we're such good rule followers. In fact, I am a horrible rule follower. If you give me more rules, I'll ask more questions. I don't like rules. I don't like limits. I don't like lids. I don't like limitations. I want to be free. That's who I am. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have discipline. But we live in a nation that is the beacon and the light of freedom for the whole world. And we got issues and we got problems here. But it's still the beacon of light and freedom for the whole world. People aren't beating down the door. They don't have to build a wall around Bangladesh or any of those. I mean, no one's trying to go there. People want to be here because there's something special. And God's got something on us. And we've got to stand for it and fight for it. And we've got to be the people God has called us to be. We have a lineage of faith that we stand in as the people of God. As a spiritual brother to the nation of Israel, spiritually and naturally, we have a connection. As we entered into the story of covenant, we talked about with Jacob how Jacob... Um, walked in his own personality, his flaws, his issues, his whatever, and God met him right where he was, and they formed a covenant together. Maxing out your life begins with your covenant with God. It begins with your agreement with God. See, you can accomplish lots of great stuff and be really miserable. Suicide is no respecter of net worth. You look at the most famous, wealthy, successful, richest people in the world and they kill themselves and they destroy their lives and they're miserable because it's not about that. It's about identifying and walking in the purpose that God created for you. I want to thank all of you that are so dedicated and committed to being with us online. I know this ministry and the messages here aren't just for the local room. We've got hundreds of people in this local room, but every week we have hundreds of you that are with us online. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for staying plugged in. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for believing in the future. We have a home right here in McKinney, Texas that we're getting dressed up and prettied up and we're about to move into in a little bit. And all y'all online better show up too. All right? It's going to be great. It's exciting. We're going to max some stuff out this year. We do some amazing things this year as a, as a church, as the people of God. 
In my life, and this theme of maxing out really resonates uh, with me in a powerful way. The story of Jacob resonates with me in a very powerful way. I've got a couple verses. Proverbs 3, verse 6 says this, In all your ways acknowledge him, God, and he shall direct your paths. Psalms 37, 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You want to do great things in life? You want to fulfill the destiny and the purpose that God has designed you? He knew you before you were born. He spoke your name before he created time. You are a part of him. He is your identity. And he made you not to be a lump on a log. He made you to fulfill the purpose and the design that he created you to fulfill. You've got big things in your future. But it starts with covenant with him. If you're doing the big things for you, you've missed the point. Anything you do in life is supposed to be worship unto him. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will bring it to pass. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I love this passage. This passage is from Romans 5, verse 17. The end of it says, Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. Oh, I love that verse. If you receive the gift of the abundance of grace, you are being set up by your creator to reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Maxing out starts with covenant. But as we read last week, covenant, the original picture of covenant is connected to principle of tithe. Amen. Tithe and covenant go together. In the very first story of creation, tithe is in the picture in the form of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the second story of humanity in the picture, Tithe is in there because it's the picture of, of Isaac, or pardon me, pardon me of, of Cain and Abel bringing the first fruits of their harvest to God. Every single story where God forms covenant with man, there's a picture of tithe inside of it. Why? We talked last week about creating an if-then relationship. Jennifer and I have been in an if-then relationship for 25 years. It's called marriage. When you bought your house, it was an if-then relationship. When you bought your car, it was an if-then relationship. You have agreements that you form, partnerships that you form. If you will do this, then I will do that. God created that. This isn't some man-made thing. God created covenant, agreement, commitment, and we are in a very non-committal culture. We want to be able to cancel anything at any time. Opt out. Unlike. Unfriend. Unsubscribe. The only un we don't like is unselfish. Ooh, Jesus. We want to un everything. Be able to just, no, uh -uh, no commitment, no commitment, no commitment. Can I tell you, nothing great happens without commitment. Great families don't happen without commitment. 
Powerful children in legacy don't happen without commitment. Commitment is one of the most important things. Aren't you glad that Jesus was committed to carry that cross all the way to the top of that hill? Aren't you glad that Jesus was committed to get on that cross and lay down and allow them? He could have called out 12 legions of angels at any moment to defend him and get him out of that situation. Aren't you glad Jesus was a finisher and not a quitter? And if we're going to max out in life, it starts with commitment. And we can't opt out because God wants something from us. Let's look at Jacob's commitment. Let's look at the if then. Genesis 28, 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in his way that I am going and give me bread to eat, clothing to put on so that I can come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a 10th, a tithe. Three things when Jacob formed his covenant with God. There were three thens that Jacob committed to. You will not have a powerful relationship with God unless you have powerful thens that you commit to, to walk in, to honor him, and allow him to fulfill his end of the bargain. God wants to give you some massive ifs. But if you won't do the thens, you won't walk in the fulfillment of what he wants to do in your life. So let's look at the focus of Jacob. Number one, he said, I will obey and honor you as my God. If you do this, then you will be my God, my Lord, my master. I will obey you. I will follow you. I will do what you want. Then he said, I'll also set up this rock, this stone as a pillar, as an altar, as a place of worship, and I will prioritize your house. He called it Bethel, meaning the house of God. Watch this. Why is church important? Why is the house of God important? Why is the coming together important? Because it's a part of your covenant. God is first in your life. He's in charge of your life, coming together and unifying and solidifying and building the house of God is a part of your covenant. And then watch, he says, and I will give you a tenth of all of my increase. Anything and everything you've given to me, I'll give you a tenth. These are three empower, powerful, important principles that will put you on a path to have massive, massive success and max out your life. Every single season that Jennifer and I have walked in unbelievable blessing, provision, prosperity, fulfillment of dreams and plans and all of that, every single season that we've walked in, the greatest seasons of our life, we were in line and in covenant with obedience to God and fulfilling his will and obeying what he wanted us to do. We had a priority of his church and his house being a major priority in our life and we were maxing out the tithe principle that we would make sure that no matter what of all he gives us, he will get a tenth of the gross of any income that comes into our life and into our house. We live this way. I'll never back down from it. I'll never be ashamed of it. I'll never shut up about it. If you don't like someone talking about tithe, there's some great other churches out there. But this is something we believe in and this is something we live. And some people are not walking in the fulfillment of the if of God because they won't step into the then. And it takes trust. And you've got to prioritize him and obeying him. You've got to prioritize his church 
You've got to prioritize the tithe. Why? Because it's a trigger for God's blessing in your life. And if you don't trust him, he can't entrust you. I'm just showing you one of the very first massive pictures of covenant. You want to have covenant with God? You want to walk in the fullness of what God dreams about doing in your life? Make sure you're obeying him at every turn to the best of your ability. Make sure you're prioritizing his house and his place of worship and make sure that you're being obedient and faithful with the tithe. Can I tell you something? The tithe, although the Bible is very clear that the tithe goes to the house of God. The tithe is to come. The fullness of the tithe comes to the house of God. That's what the Bible says very clear. Never back down from that. I never will. It's what the Bible says. But can I tell you something? The tithe The benefit of the tithe is not for the house of God. Can I tell you the benefit of the tithe is not even for God himself. God doesn't need your junk. The benefit of the tithe is for you. Preacher, you just want my money. I don't care about your money. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have the benefit of the tithe. I'm going to have the benefit of the tithe because I'm a tither. Our church will have the benefit of the tithe because our church is a tithing church. We don't just receive tithes. We give tithes. 10% of every dollar that comes into this church goes into ministries all around the world because this is a church that will focus on and prioritize obeying Jesus The house of God being important, the coming together being important. Guys, I love that we have technology and we can watch on our phones and we can do all that kind of stuff, but being together is important. And as much as you can be, be here. Well, the virus, come on, man. All y'all got antibodies by now for crying out loud. Anybody not had a sniffle nose? Everybody. Not everybody, but, but seriously, we're not going to be people that live in fear. We're not going to be people that shy away from obeying God because we're so afraid that we might get a little bug. Can I say, if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. Not a single day of your life can be stolen from you. God's got you. And if you'll keep obeying him, he'll watch over you. Now, it also says, my people die for a lack of knowledge, so get some knowledge. Be smart, but don't walk in fear. I'm not going to be a leader that leads in fear. And if that's offensive, be offended. But I'm not going to be that guy. It's not who I am. I have to be true to who God made me to be. I'm going to be rowdy. I'm going to say crazy stuff. I'm going to tick some people off. They can deal with it, but I'm going to obey God. Still nice. So make a commitment this year. Be in covenant. Be in covenant. Prioritize those things. Because God wants to release. This is is a year of new beginning. Remember we taught the year 5781 is the year in the Jewish calendar. The symbols mean an opportunity for God's divine authority to protect you in a new beginning. That's what it literally means. That's what this year is about. It's about a a supernatural opportunity for a new beginning that if you are in covenant with God, he will protect and his authority will will encourage and open. But you gotta be in covenant. If you've never stepped into the place where you prioritize the house of God, you prioritize obeying his voice, and you prioritize the tithe, this is your year to step into covenant. I challenge you, I double-dog dare you, to obey God and watch what he does. Every single time, 
all through our lives, we've walked in incredible blessing and provision because this is how we've lived our lives. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because it's a principle. And if you don't live by principles, you're going to be squirrely all over the place. So let's jump into this part of the story for this week. This part of the story is found in Genesis chapter 29, verse 4. Everybody okay? Anybody want to leave? There's lots of doors. Anybody want to leave? You can, you can turn it off right now if you, if you want to. You're going to miss the blessing, but you can. Come on, guys. We got to get some thick skin. Jesus didn't call us to be pansies, easily offended. You know what a pansy is? It's a flower that likes the winter. When the heat comes, it dies. If you can't handle some heat, I love pansies. They're pretty. They're in my house right now. <laughs> but they die around Easter. When the resurrection comes, the pansies go away. Sorry about that. That's how it happens. Genesis 29. And Jacob said to them, so Jacob now has run for his life. He's formed a covenant with God. Now he comes to the land. He's, he's supposed to be, he comes up to some people, some shepherds that he sees. He says, my brethren, where are you from? They said, we're from Haran. Then he says to them, do you know Laban, the son of Naor? And they said, yeah, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep right there. And then he said, look, so Jacob's trying to create some space here. He says, look, it's still high day. It's not time for the cattle to be all gathered in together. Water the sheep and go feed them somewhere else. He's trying to create some space so he can have a moment with, his, uh, with, with, with Rachel, his relative, to get to know her and to let her know who he is. But they said to him, this is important, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. There's a system in place, Jacob. There's a process in place. We can't do that. We're, we're not allowed to do that. This is how it's always been done. This is our tradition. This is our practice. Now, while he was speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw that Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, that the sheep in the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, anyway. If you're going to max out in life, if you're going to max out the calling of God, you're going to have to do some stuff differently than other people do it. Just because it's always been done, just because this is tradition, just because this is how it's been, just because this is what they said. Can I tell you, there's lots of stuff that was said that ain't right and ain't right now. And if you're going to max out, you're going to have to be gutsy enough to break some rules and bend some stuff and do stuff the way it needs to be done. And it may go against the flow, but you're obeying God and doing it. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. And so she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him. A whole bunch of kissing in this house, isn't it? <laughs> Kissy culture. And brought him to his house. And so he told Laban all these things. And Laban said, surely you are bone of my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. If you're going to max out, you got to make a few decisions. 
Number one decision is don't make excuses, make it happen. Don't make excuses, make it happen. We'll get into patience in a little bit. We'll get into waiting in a little bit. We'll get into process in a little bit. But you got to be a make it happen person. There are way too many people saying, well, we can't because. Well, we can't because. Well, well, that's not how it is done. And that's not how it's whatever. And the people that change industries and shift cultures are people that say, why can't I roll that well back open? So what you're telling me I can't. Can I tell you, you want to motivate me? Tell me I can't do something. I remember a friend of mine, his name's Chad, told him I was training for a marathon. He says, you can't run a marathon. Too fat, short. I said, what'd you say to me? You got the wrong body type. Did you know that there are a lot of fat people running marathons? I've run three now, 26.2 miles. And I'm looking around at grandmas. I'm getting beat by grandmas. Don't tell me I can't do something. If granny can do it, I can do it. Tell me I can't. Tick me off enough. That, guys, we got to get some grit. We got to get some grit. We're raising a generation of bubble wrap children. Can I go out? Hold on. What was that movie? The, what was that Christmas movie with little, was it the little the Christmas story and the little kid, they wrapped him up. Like this, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. He goes out to play. Come on, guys. We're, we're raising a bunch of pansy kids. We got to get some kids with some grit. Man, we were jumping off roofs and stuff in the swimming pools when we were kids. Do it, name it, we did it. I mean, golly, we used to be able to live. Now we got trampolines with nets. You're not a trapeze artist, you don't need a net. <laughs> Crying out loud, it's not 40 foot. Jump. My, I mean, you can't ride a bike, but you don't have a helmet on. Okay, none of y'all wore helmets. You made it. That's some of your brain damage, but that's okay. You're here. <laughs> Guys, we got to create. We, we literally have created a fear culture. We're afraid. Man, I, I mean, we, we don't live in a neighborhood now. We're out in the country. And I'm like, go kids, go run out there. But we're in a neighborhood right by a busy street. And I'm sitting there watching my little girl walk down just 25 feet to the mailbox. I got to watch her. There's bad guys out there. There are bad guys out there, but for crying out loud, can we have, is God in charge? Is he in control? Let's not be foolish. Let's not be stupid, but let's also not be a bunch of sissies that don't have the guts to actually obey God because we're raised and raising generations that are fear mongers. I got a 17 year old about to start driving for reals. She's been driving since she was 14. Now she's about to be legal. I was with her. Scary. It's terrifying. But do I trust God or not? Is he the protector or not? We trained her. We taught her. 
Been through all the safety stuff, coaching her still, probably follow her around for months. <laughs> but we got to have some guts. Got to be people that'll make it happen. Be willing to do things differently. For all you business people, the only way you're ever going to be successful in business is if you figure out what your differentiator is. Because it, you can't just be a dime a dozen. Doesn't matter if you're in landscape, banking, financial planning, uh, construction, uh, whatever. Whatever your business is, you better have a differentiator that separates you from the pack. Because if you don't have something that gives someone a reason to hire you instead of somebody else, then they're probably going to hire somebody else that's cheaper. Well, then I'll just be the cheapest. Be that. I want to be Nordstrom. I want to be Neiman Marcus. I'm not trying to be the cheapest. I want to be the best. Somebody asked me in the business world one time, why should I hire you to come coach my people? This other guy's less. I said, okay, if you want, the, if you want cheap, go with cheap. But if you want a world champion to come in and teach your people how to be butt-kicking ninjas, I suggest you spend a little bit more money. Because anybody can teach you something out of a book. But I can tell you, that guy never had a three-day bloody nose from a kid in Poland. He doesn't know how to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the toughest guy in Russia. You want your people to follow that pansy guy? Follow that little pansy guy. He'll teach them stuff out of a book. Or he can learn something you can't learn in a book from me. It's your choice. That sounds arrogant. You're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> Grow up. You think Moses was a wuss? You think Abraham was a wuss? You think Jacob was a wuss? You think David was a wuss? You think Jesus was a wuss? Got to believe in who God is in you. You're the greatest product you could ever sell. The gift of God in you is the greatest product that you have to give to the world. And if you don't believe in it, if you wouldn't buy it, why would anyone else? Sounds like a worldly message. <laughs> you have to have differentiators. Nobody wants generic. Nobody wants fake. Nobody really wants faux. We have jokes at our house. Anything that's like a fake version, we put an F in front of it. Just, it's, it's faux, it's fake. So, so like, Jennifer, if she wants a new purse, she doesn't want a Fooey Vuitton. <laughs> right? She doesn't, she doesn't want a Fucci. I don't want a Folex. She doesn't want a Fartier. I, I just want to say Fartier. I thought that'd be funny. <laughs> put an F in front. If it's fake, I don't want the fake. If I can't afford the real, I'll wait. But I don't want the fake. Why? Because I've had real. Real's better. Well, sounds materialistic. God. Crying out loud. I'm just trying to make a point. Guys, we need to be the genuine. We need to be the real. We need to be the authentic. We need to be the different. We need to be the distinct. We need to be the best of the best of the best. And whatever we're called to do and made to do by God, that it sets us apart. And people look at us and they say, I don't know what it is about you. Come on, Jennifer and I, recently we were at dinner with someone, some new friends, and they said, of all the people that we've met... From, from the time we've been here in, this, in the state of Texas for a couple years, of all the people we've met, of all the friends, there's just something about you guys that draws us to you and we don't know what it is. Good. 
good, I can't wait. I can't wait till it's time to show you what it is. I can't show you yet. You can't handle it yet. But one time, at some point, you can. Come on, guys. There's something about you that if you'll be the best, most authentic, maxed out version of you, you will draw people to him. Question comes down to this. If you're going to max out, you got to make a decision. you got to answer this question. What do you want? What do you want? God made you a certain way. He made you with certain gifts, talents, abilities. Guess what? He made you with certain desires and wants that he wired into you. He wove them into the fabric of who you are. Look at this part of the story. Genesis 29, verse 15. Then Laban said to Jacob, after he'd been there for a month, hanging out, serving, working, getting to know the family, because you're my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? What do you want? Remember, there's a story where Jesus was getting yelled at by a blind man. Blind man's just going, Jesus, Jesus, yelling, going, just Jesus. Disciples are getting irritated. Jesus turns around, what does he say? What do you want? You're driving me nuts. What do you want? He didn't say you're driving me nuts. But some, you know, Jesus actually taught us to pray and just keep. I like this podium. This is a good one. Asking, 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 knocking, 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 seeking, seeking, seeking. When it says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. They're in a tense that is perpetual. They're in an ING tense. Keep asking, keep asking, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep seeking. Don't quit, don't give up. Be a finisher. Be persistent. You ever had your kids ask you for something? You're like, no, I don't think so. It's not that you don't want to give it to them. You just don't want to give it to them if they don't really want it because you don't want to waste money. You want to see if they really want it or not. Three months later, they're still asking for the same thing. Six months later, they're still asking for the same thing. Some of y'all need to quit, quit raising, wasting money because your kid saw a cartoon or a, or a commercial or had a pop-up on Instagram. Ooh, I want this. Ooh, instant gratification. That's always good for children. Make them earn it. Make them prove it. What do you want? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Another translation says she had a gorgeous face, a beautiful face, and a really nice body. The sister had delicate eyes. We don't know what that means. Except that it's the opposite of beautiful face and nice body. This is getting really worldly now, Joel. Was she squinty? Just, just squinting all the time? I don't know. She was different than the other one. So Jacob says says he loved Rachel. He'd only been there a month. It was love at first sight. I will serve you for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. 
I served for 21 months for Jennifer. I didn't have the integrity that Jacob did. I will serve you for seven years. Come on, young ladies. My girls at least listen to this. The man that God has for you will be willing to wait. He'll be willing to be holy. He'll be willing to sacrifice. He'll be willing. Teenagers. Young men. Jacob was willing to wait and be holy and godly for seven years to earn his woman. To earn his wife. Don't buy into the culture. Don't buy into this test drive culture. Got to take it for a spin before I buy it. Or ruin everything that God has planned. It's not just for teenagers, it's for single adults too. It's for divorcees too. It's for people that find themselves in a season. You better, you better find out what you really, really, really want and be willing to do it right and be willing to wait. This isn't only about relationship, but it sure does fit. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to some stranger, some other guy. So stay with me. And so Jacob served for seven years for Rachel. They seemed only a few days to him because he had so much love for her. It's amazing. You better know what you want. Jacob could have asked for anything. Could have asked for money. Could have asked for income. He could have asked for anything. He knew what he came for. His parents sent him on a mission. He had a word from his parents. Go to this land. Find yourself the wife that God has for you. That was his mission. That was his agenda. He had a priority. He had a focus. He had a goal. He stuck to the goal. That's why you got to know what you want. You got to set some goals. You got to write some things down. You got to create some priorities, create some personal focuses. It's important that you have personal goals and priorities and focuses in your life that you know what you're here for. You know what you're serving for. You know what you're putting the work in for. You know what you're sacrificing for. Because if you don't have that goal, it's real easy to quit. If you don't have that drive and that ambition and that thing in front of you, it's real easy to quit when the going gets tough. Seven years, no huggy, no kissy. Nothing. Friends, no benefits. Holy. Psalm 37, four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Do you know God cares about your desires? If God is your delight, he loves to fulfill your desires. Comes back to the covenant. I will make you my God, my Lord, my delight, my love. Your house will be a priority to me. I'll honor you with my tithe. If God is your delight, if you live to delight God, he loves to fulfill your desires. You got to make a decision. What do you want? Second question you have to ask is this. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want? Jacob said seven years. How bad do you want it? Jacob didn't know the, the tricky trickster that his uncle was. Jacob thought he was the trickster. Jacob thought he was the one making a deal getting the better end of it. As the story goes, Genesis 29, 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, 
My time is completed and I want to make love to her. That is in your Bible. (laughs) Holy, wonderful, inside of the bounds of marriage. I've put seven years in, Laban. Can you imagine that being the pitch to your your new father-in-law? I want to make love to your daughter. That's what he said. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah with delicate eyes, brought her Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. I don't know what happened at that party, but I have never partied that hard. Verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. And the Bible has an exclamation point in it. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? I served for Rachel, didn't I? What have you, why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, hey, bro, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. I'm sorry you didn't read the fine print, Jake. Sorry you weren't paying attention at the negotiations. Didn't ask the right questions. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Stick it out for a week with the squinty one. Then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Fourteen years. And Jacob did so. She was worth it. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. And Jacob made love to Rachel also. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Can I tell you, your road to maxing out will not be easy. It will not be short. You can max out 2021, but it ain't about one year. It's about your life. It's about your life. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be quick. And there's going to be stuff. Come on, there is no such thing as overnight success. I had a friend that was massively wealthy. His house was 26,000 square feet. He had three swimming pools. Three. One for relaxing. A totally different one for volleyball. And a totally different one for diving. Three. He said, you know, people always talk about what was it like to be an overnight success. He goes, and I got to tell you, that overnight was like 17 years. That one night that they're thinking was 17 years. They don't know the grind. They don't know the loss. They don't know the sacrifice. They don't know the blood. They don't know the, the, they don't know the tears. They don't know. If you're going to max out for God, you're going to put in years. There's stuff that you really, 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 really want to do. And you're just not good enough yet. Stuff that I really, really want to do, I just haven't grown up enough yet. I got to cook longer. I got to stay in the game. I got to be consistent. I got to be disciplined. I got to continue on the path. See, Jacob, he, he, he wanted one wife. The hot one. That's all he wanted. But God said, Jake... You're going to be a father of a nation with 12 states. And and you pick the cute one, but the cute one wants to stay cute. She's good for one or two kids. That's it. She wants to get right back in those jeans. 
right back into yoga class. This is not your producer. I have to do things. Come on, this is Joel's version of the Bible. I got to do things that you don't expect because Squints McGee over here is going to pop out six puppies for you. And I need those puppies. And she's going to give you this servant to be a wife. And this one's going to give you that servant to be a wife. And you're going to have 12 kids. But the cute one can't do that for you. So I gave you what you want, but I gave you a little four-time bonus and all that too. And if you don't think Jacob suffered, read the story. Dude, they're like, the, the sisters are selling him back and forth for tropical fruit and stuff. It is a crazy story. He's objectified, used by women. It's in the story. And he's walking out God's plan. And he's dealing with Laban, who's changing his wages. Next week, we're going to get into divine strategy, how to hear from God to get a divine strategy for your life. You do not want to miss it. You want to be there. I'll try to be a little more reverent. I'm just reading the Bible to you. It is not my fault. This is how the story goes. The last thing I want to mention to you is the power of holy ambition. Holy ambition. There's a passage in the Bible that is incredible. It's powerful. It says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. God delights in your desires. He wants you to have big dreams because he's a big God and he placed big dreams inside of you. He wants you, and guys, can I tell you this? There is such a perversion inside of the church. And when I say perversion, I mean it like this a perversion of the truth of Jesus Christ. That once you become a Christian, you die to everything you've ever wanted and everything you ever wanted to be good at and you just put all those things at the foot of the cross and you just kind of just kind of shuffle through life, whatever, I mean, whatever God wants, just whatever he wants, just, I mean, what do you want to do? I don't know, just whatever the Lord wants. So what are you good at? Well, I don't really know. I mean, I don't want to brag and, and I just, I don't want, I mean, I just want to, whatever the Lord wants and come on guys. God made you. He put great stuff in you. He put dreams inside of you. It's a perversion. It's a twist of the truth that I fell for. When I was a professional competitor, everything was about winning. Everything was about competing. Everything was about next, next, next. Go, go, go. And then I walked away from my industry and I came into the church world and I put on the little holy hat and I shuffled around for about five years, just whatever God wants, just whatever God wants, just what, not, not my will, but thy will be done. Sounds so holy. You know, Jesus prayed that way one time. You know how else he prayed? Hey, Father, I know we've already discussed this, uh, and I'm not even saying this for, for my benefit. I'm saying this for their benefit so that they will know that you're with me. Hey, Lazarus, get up. Come out. That's how Jesus prayed. Jesus commanded stuff to happen. Called it prayer. Told us to do the same. And we shuffle around. Ambitiousness. Little amoebas. Because we don't want to be prideful. And I'm telling you, five years... 
And finally, in one of my prayer times, the Lord's like, what are you doing? Who told you that? Who put that on you? I never told you to not dream. I never told you to not have goals. I never told, I, Joel, I made you a specific way because I wanted you to do specific things. Come back to who you are, who I made you to be. I made you to dream. I made you to be ambitious, to set goals. Just dedicate them to me. Do them for my glory. In all your ways, commit it to him. And he will give you the fulfillment of it. He will guide you in your path and help you to succeed. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Watch this. Godliness is not a behavior necessarily. Godliness is an attitude. Godliness means, by definition, piety or reverence toward God. Godliness is about being in awe of how massive and incredible and amazing and abundant and sovereign and, and all-knowing that God is. God is so huge, so massive. And when we enter into covenant with him, the sky is the limit and nothing is out of bounds. We can do the impossible when we're in relationship with God, when we have godliness and we're aware of how massive he is. But it has to be partnered with contentment. And contentment is, well, I just don't want, I just don't want anything. I don't just, no, contentment is, okay, I can wait. I'm going to keep busting it. I'm going to keep maxing out. I'm going to keep believing these big, massive, huge things. I'm going to keep doing my part, but I'm also patient because I know that a nation isn't built in a day. Jacob had 14 years of married life before he earned his first dollar. 14 years of baby making before he actually negotiated for his wage that we'll talk about next week. You got to be willing to bust it out and wait it out at the same time. That's a good word for somebody because it ain't going to happen. Waiting on the Lord does not mean twiddling your thumbs and scrolling through Instagram. Waiting on the Lord means I'm busting it out. I'm doing everything I can and I'm waiting for him to bring the fulfillment. I do my part. I do my best. He does the rest. He does what I can't do. I'm waiting on him to fulfill the promise that he gave me. Guys, I'm walking in promises that he gave me before I was born right now that I've had to do my part to walk the path. And he had a promise that he gave my parents when I was still in the belly. And I'm walking in him now. I couldn't walk in him before. Had to wait. But you got to bust it out while you're waiting. Oaks Church is going to be full of people that kick tail and take names. Can I tell you that much? Not sissies, not pansies, not, not slackers. Butt kicking ninjas. That's what he made me to do. Now we just got a ninja building that's going to turn into a church. I'm sorry if I offend. Not really truth hurts. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to ruffle your feathers. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to provoke you to be great because I'm going to stand before God if I don't. Amen. Amen. And if I'm not the right flavor for you, I will happily find you a different flavor. We got a million great churches in McKinney, Texas and around, and I've got great friends in lots of those churches, so we'll help you. We don't want anyone to be a part of our church that God didn't call to be a part of our church, but if he called you to be a part of our church, don't let anything talk you out of it. Amen? Stick it out. Max it out. 
We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.